Hi, my name is Ben Patrick. Growing up, I lived in a, a Christian home. I went to church uh, every Sunday. I was a pretty reckless child. I, I got a mouth on me and started hanging out with different people and stuff like that at school and uh, people that would actually do drugs already in middle school. Starting my sophomore year, I got a girlfriend. It was about after a year of dating that we started doing things that weren't really honoring God at all. So my brother, he was diagnosed with cancer during my sophomore year, uh, going into my junior year, so it was that summer in between. I actually turned to God, and this was the first time in, since like Awana in little elementary school that I turned to God. Uh, I didn't turn to him for very long. Then going into my freshman year of college, in the first week, I, we had these revival meetings and just completely got convicted. started asking myself, like, is, this, is this really how I'm supposed to live? And within a few weeks, I, I had drawn so close to God that like, all I did was starve for Him and all his, all his answers and different things like that. I haven't really looked back. I, don't, I haven't wanted to go back at all. The reason that I'm getting baptized is because, one, I've never been baptized, and I feel like as a Christian, that's something that you should do because you get rid of your old self and you put on that new self once you get baptized. I, uh, I just really want to do what's right and do uh, all that I do to glorify Him. testimony with you even though he was water baptized in the nine o'clock service we wanted to share the video with you so that you could hear his testimony of life change and the fact that he's identifying himself with Jesus Christ and being publicly baptized and and at North Point we don't believe that water baptism saves you but we do believe that it's very very important as a first step of obedience in your faith in Jesus Christ and so we practice water baptism by full immersion Ben was baptized in the nine o'clock service if you're a Christ follower, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ and uh, you've been born again, we encourage you, if you have not taken that next step of obedience, to talk to us. Talk to the leadership team. Talk to the elders. Find me. Uh, and, and let us know that you want to take that next step of obedience to Jesus Christ. Well, uh, Ben's story ties in uh, amazingly with my story. And I'm going to share a little bit of that with you as we uh, enter the, the, the message this morning. Ben talked about struggling as a teenager and, and uh, uh, falling into really a pagan lifestyle. And I remember how profoundly disappointed I was that summer evening back in 1978 when I was reading my Bible. I was reading in the book of Romans and I read a passage that I could really identify with. Much like Ben, I really, I, I was born again. I came to faith in Christ at the age of eight. And, and I've shared publicly that I, through my teen years, I, I, I regret that I, I, I went far from God. I lived a very pagan lifestyle and it, it happened one poor decision at a time. But uh, I, I remember floundering and struggling with, with uh, promiscuity and, and substance abuse and other things that, and I, that I knew were wrong, that I knew were grieving God, and I was just, I was really, really struggling. 
to put it lightly. And I, I remember reading a passage in Romans and I thought, at last, this, this is me. I, I see myself in Scripture. And, and I, I, I thought that I was going to read the solution to my problem. And I remember feeling so profoundly disappointed when I got to the conclusion of Romans chapter 7. We've been in this LifeLock series. I want to read some of Romans chapter 7. I don't have this on the big screen for you, but you do have Bibles in front of you if you want to return to Romans chapter 7. If you have a smartphone or a tablet, you can dial in. And I want to read a portion of Romans 7 that as a struggling teenager, floundering, this described me to a T. And maybe some of you are here today and you'll be able to identify with the Apostle Paul and the struggle that, that he was involved in. Paul writes this in Romans chapter 7. In fact, the, the subheading of this portion is struggling with sin. And Paul writes in verse 14, Romans chapter 7, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong, it is sin living in me that does it. Verse 18, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I remember reading this as a teenager. Deeply convicted. Floundering and failing in my Christian experience. I read these words and, and, and I thought, wow, this is me. And I am going to get the answer. Paul goes on. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do, excuse me, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. If I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. It's sin living in me that does it. Sin is powerful. Verse 21, I have discovered this principle or this law, Paul says. I've discovered this law that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power or there's another law within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? I was on the edge of my seat. I was reading this. And I just I couldn't believe what I was reading. The Scripture was reading my mail. This was my personal experience. This was my life. And at last I was going to find the solution. I couldn't wait to read what was next. And then I read verse 25. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm still a slave to sin. And I literally, I was like, what does that mean? What kind of, a, what kind of an answer is that? What, 
I read it and I reread it. I'm like, I already know that. Why didn't, why didn't he go on to expand on the answer? And I was profoundly disappointed and discouraged. You're, you're not telling me anything I don't know. What do you mean? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. I already know that. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Well, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. I, 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 honestly, I'm, I'm, being, I, I'm being completely as transparent as I know how to be. I, I, I was like, I don't get it. Am, am I destined to struggle like this the rest of my life? Is this as good as it gets? Is, is, this, is this what Jesus Christ gave His life for so that I could live at this level of victory? I, I just... I was kind of breathless. I, I, honestly, I kind, of, I kind of walked away and I thought, well, I, I, I just don't get it. And, and I'm, I, I'm, on the one hand, I'm so grateful that I had that experience. I wish I would have connected some dots sooner than I did. It took me a number of years before I went on to read Romans chapter 8 and begin to connect some of the dots. Because Paul summarizes the answer in the end of 7. But then he begins to unpack and expand on and unfold the real answer, which is in chapter 8. And I never connected those two. Now when we read our Bible, let's be aware that the, the, the human translators, they put in the subheadings, they put in the chapters, and they put in the verses. But Paul was writing fluently and connecting thoughts. Chapter 7 is connected to chapter 8. I call chapter 8, it's like the Oreo cookie in Romans chapter 7. Or, or, or the book of Romans, rather. Why is that? Because everybody knows there's Oreo cookie, it's got the two chocolatey outer wafers, and then all the yummy goodness is in the middle. Romans chapter 8 is kind of like that. It opens up with an amazing statement, Now therefore there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Wow, is that good news. And then Romans chapter 8, the other bookend, the other chocolate wafer, is that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And in between there is a whole bunch of the, you know, the, the good white Oreo middle yummy stuff that helps us really come to a place of of victory and life transformation that the Gospel is all about. Much of Romans is deeply theological, and thank God it is, so that we can understand the Gospel. But the Bible isn't just to be theological. It's supposed to be experiential. And, and, and it's, it's, it's supposed to produce both. And the answer, if you've ever struggled... If, if you've ever desired God's will with all of your heart, but you found yourself doing the polar opposite, Romans chapter 8 is the answer. It's for you and it's for me, not just today, but tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and every day we walk this planet. And I'm excited about it. The difference between Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8 is vast. Romans chapter 7 is telling us theologically, Chris did such a great job last week of unpacking Romans chapter 7, and telling us we have a choice whether to obey God or to sin. 
Before we came to Christ, we didn't have a choice. We were slaves to sin. We didn't have a choice. But in Christ, we've been set free and we have a choice. Chris, phenomenal job last week. If you, didn't get, if you didn't, weren't here, go online, listen. Fantastic. But Paul's going to begin to unpack in Romans chapter 8 the reality of, of how we walk out this freedom in Jesus Christ. And listen, Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8, the difference is this. How many of you appreciate your vehicle to get you from point A to point B? You, you like driving your car. Yes. Thank you, Jesus, for cars. And if, especially if we're traveling a long distance. If we're going from DeWitt, Michigan to Los Angeles, California in our car, wow! Grateful! What would you think if you saw a guy somewhere on that barren stretch of desert between here and Los Angeles, California, pushing his car to L.A.? You'd think that person has completely lost their mind. What, what are they doing? Don't they have the sense to get in the car and turn the key and start the engine to provide some power so that they could actually use that vehicle to transport them, to empower them to get from DeWitt, Michigan to Los Angeles? You'd think that person has completely lost their mind. And rightfully so. Because if we're left in Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 7 is a pretty discouraging chapter. It shows us what we're capable of left to ourselves. Without the indwelling Spirit of God. Without the power to walk out this Christian experience we call the Gospel. It's the difference between night and day. Death and and life. It's the difference between pushing your car and getting in your car and starting it and driving it. It's a pretty dramatic difference. And this is what Paul begins to unpack in Romans chapter 8. Chapter 8 was the solution that I didn't, I didn't understand as a teenager when I was struggling and I was failing. Let's begin to read chapter 8 where Paul begins to tell us about this new life, this life in the Spirit, this life. And he's, uh, we're going to deal with basically verses 1 through, through 13 today. And what I want to share with you is at least two. I didn't, I didn't get to the third point really in, my, in, in the 9 o'clock service. But three, the three laws of up. How many of you know up is better than down? Can we all agree on that? Up is better than down. Life is better than death. Heaven is better than hell. Up is a good thing. It's the three laws of up. We're going to look at the law of lift, verses 1 through 4, Romans chapter 8. And then we're going to look at the law of numbers, Romans chapter 8, excuse me, Romans chapter 8, 1 through 4. Then chapter 5, verse. 5 through 8. Have I, have I succeeded in completely confusing you? We're in Romans chapter 8. Verses 1 through 4 is the law of lift. Verses 5 through 8 is the law of numbers. And then Paul is going to show us this, this third law, and we'll probably get to it next week. 
which is the law of leadership. And that's in, in verses 13 through 15. But what, what am I talking about? Let's, let's begin to read here. Paul, after he talks about this, this, this horrible struggle in Romans chapter 7, he says, so now, there is there, uh, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. And I love this language. Remember in Romans chapter 1, if you've been with us in this LifeLock series, Romans chapter 1 told us, Paul said, you've been called to belong to Jesus Christ. And he, he uses that language again. He says there's no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. And because you belong to Him, the power, say power. I like that word. I need that word. When I was a teenager, I needed power. That's what I needed. The power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Paul says the law of Moses, keeping the law, rules, do's and don'ts, it was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent His own Son in a body like the bodies we have, and in that body God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement... This is amazing. Listen to this language. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. Isn't that amazing? The full just requirement of the law has been fully satisfied for me who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Paul, I, I, I put it this way. He's telling us about the law of lift. All of us know the law of gravity. Gravity is down. The law of lift takes us up. Gravity's real. Gravity's a law. Gravity, as long as we're on this planet, is inescapable. We have to deal with life that has gravity. And that's a reality. We can't escape gravity, but we can supersede it if we apply other laws that are also very real. And the Wright brothers were instrumental in helping us to understand and begin to perfect and apply these other laws that when applied properly, supersede the law of gravity. They're called the law of thrust and the law of lift. When you apply the law of thrust and the law of lift appropriately, something amazing happens. Up. Right? Airplanes fly. Does it, does it continue to amaze any of us, if not all of us? Anytime I fly in a plane, I'm in this jet, it weighs tons, and you're going about, I don't know what the speed is when you take off, but it doesn't seem like you're going very fast. And all of a sudden, this mega airplane that weighs a bazillion pounds starts to float. I, I, just, I've flown dozens, if not hundreds of times, and it still blows my mind. I just I look out the window and I just I just wonder how can this be? Well, I can tell you how it can be. It's applying a law. In fact, two laws: the law of thrust and the law of lift. And do they eliminate the law of gravity? 
Do they suspend the law of gravity? No. But they supersede the law of gravity. They're more powerful than the law of gravity. And so, this is the principle that the Apostle Paul is revealing to us. That's part of the answer. That's part of the solution of moving out of the failure of Romans chapter 7 left to ourselves to struggle in the energy of the flesh and to enter into this new experience of, of unity with Jesus Christ and, and, and His indwelling Spirit that it begins to give us power this is what distinguishes Christianity from every other religious system on the planet. It's what makes the Gospel the Gospel. It's what makes Christianity unique is because God doesn't point the way and say, go do it. He modeled the way and then He says here, let me breathe life into you to empower you to do it. It's the law of thrust and the law of lift. It's a powerful, beautiful law it's called the law of the Spirit or the principle of the Spirit. That's what Paul is talking about in verses 1 through 4 of Romans chapter 8. That's why Paul could come out of chapter 7 and say, Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it actually means something. I can have victory through Jesus Christ. It's the law of lift. Let me, let me illustrate it a, a little bit differently. I come out of a construction background, and uh, I did residential roofing for many years, and uh, I still do a little bit of it. In fact, I'm doing it right now because uh, I have to put a brand new roof. Where's the end of my hose here? Where'd it go? There it is. I, I have to put an, a, another roof on my old roof. It's, it's, it's really, really bad, and I, I'm in the process of doing that. And uh, so uh, here's a piece of wood, and it's got some nails in it. And what that's going to represent to us is Romans chapter 7. You know, when you do things manually, you can pound nails, you can do that. Okay? Uh, and that's, that's doing things, that's trying to do Christianity in the energy of the flesh right there. That, that's what this will represent, these nails, okay? And I, I, if I had a hammer, I could, I could pound those in and, and that'd be fine. I could do that. Now, I still wouldn't be acceptable to God, and that's, that's the beauty of, of the gospel and Romans and the gift of righteousness that we're learning about in this series. But years and years and years ago, back in, uh, I think it was 19, uh, 1982, I learned the power of pneuma. You know, pneuma is an interesting word. It's, it's the Greek word for spirit. And, uh, and I was introduced to pneumatics. And uh, back then we used to use staple guns. This is a nail gun. But it was amazing. See, I, I've used a hammer. And, you know, hammers are good. But pneuma's better. Okay? You, you, can, you can do things this way. You can try that way. But this is better. Okay? That's Romans chapter 7. This is Romans chapter 8. Okay? There's a big difference. There's a big difference between chapter 7 and chapter 8. Because you can, you can get a hammer and you can pound those in. Or you can be introduced to Numa. I like, I like Numa. Okay? I, I like this a lot better. Now, now let me let me let me uh, let me point this out. See, I, I've got I've got a I've got a leaky hose, and you know that's probably I didn't intend it that way, but it's probably a good illustration because all of us leak, don't we? 
We, we all need to be being filled with the whole. We, we all need God's presence. Okay, but let me, let me just illustrate this this way. Because as we begin to talk about this next principle, I want you to understand this. See, Paul's saying there's power. There's power in Numa. There's power in the law of the Spirit to indwell us, to infill us, to empower us, to enable us what we can't do on our own. I can't drive nails like that. Left to myself, this gun can't, can't do anything. That's, that's me without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is, why, this, is what makes, this is what makes Christianity different from every other religion of the world. Because now there's some power to enable me to do what I know I should do, but I can't do on my own. Now, I was on the roof uh, Friday with my son Evan. He's 13. And we were shingling our roof, and I was teaching him how to roof. And he'd never used a nail gun before. And so I showed him how to plug it in, and he plugged it in, and he goes, oh, that's cool. And he started pulling the trigger. And he goes, Dad, this is broke. It doesn't work. And I said, no, 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 son. You, in order to activate that trigger, you've got to also touch the nose. It, it, it's both. I said, so don't hold the trigger and push, push the nose, because if I do, I'll, sh- I'll shoot a nail right into that wall. Okay? It takes both. And so he realized that, and then he, he pulled the trigger... And he touched the nose, and he had results. Now that's important, because that's exactly what Paul is revealing in Romans chapter 8. He tells us about the law of lift, the law of pneuma, the law of the Spirit. It's the power within us to enable us. Okay? And then he goes on and he says something amazing in verse 5. He says... Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think, that's an interesting word, think, what is that? That's the mind. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit or please God. So Paul's talking about the importance of of our soul or of our mind. It plays a pivotal role in my experience as a believer. And he says, so letting, verse 6, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. That's interesting verbiage. Paul, Paul uses the word letting. Chris did such a good job last week, Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 7. We now have a choice as a born-again believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ. I now have a choice to say no to sin and yes to God. Before I was born again, before the Spirit of God came to live in me and empower me, I didn't have a choice. I was a slave to sin. There was only one option. But now I've got a choice. Paul uses that same language. He says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always, say always, the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never, say never, 
It never did obey God's laws. And it never will. Say never again. Never. Always never. What is that? That's my flesh. That's my carnal nature. That's the part of me that's like the first Adam. Left to myself. I'm never going to please God. My, see, here's the second principle. The law of numbers. The law of numbers is this. Majority rules. You have to understand this. That you were created like God. You were made to be like God. God is three. Father, Son, Spirit. Three persons in one. You were made like God. You are spirit, soul, and body. Now here's the mistake we make. We think we're physical beings that have a little bit of a spiritual experience. No, the opposite is true. We are spiritual beings that right now are having a physical experience. The Bible teaches very clearly that I, the real John Eliph, the the part that is eternal, that is created to be like God, is eternal, is spirit. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I have a mind. And I live in a body. Paul talked about this body being like a tent. And it's going to wear out and it's going to be folded up and we're going to get a new body. So my body isn't the eternal part of me. It's the spirit, the soul. See, I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. It's very important we understand that because Paul's talking about the part that the mind plays. If I set my mind on earthly things, if I set my mind on carnal things, I'm going to live carnally. I'm going to continue to live under that law of sin and death. That's what I was doing as a teenager. I was a professional failure because I was continually setting my mind on the things of the flesh. And what I I came to learn and the dots that, that got connected for me was that the Spirit of God in me is in me to empower me. And I have to cooperate with Him. I've got a part to play. And this is so important. See, when the Holy Spirit indwells, it's kind of like pulling that trigger and nothing happening. And and like my 13-year-old son, Evan said, it doesn't work. Oh no, it works. Trust me, it works. You've got to do it right. You've got to apply two two actions or two principles. You've got to pull the trigger and touch the nose. That's what Paul is saying in in these verses 5-8. through He's saying, we we make a choice. We cooperate with God. We set our minds on the things of the Spirit. The Bible has a lot to say about the mind. Let me just just make a, a quote, a couple of verses of Scripture. See, there's a board meeting going on inside you every single day. And there's three members on that board. There's your body, there's your soul, and there's your spirit. What did we read about the body, the sin nature, the flesh? Does it ever want to do the will of God? No. It never wants to. It it always wants to do what's contrary to God. So our body, our flesh, never wants the will of God. Our born-again human spirit always wants the will of God. Always, 100% of the time. Not 99%, not 98%. Our our, Our heart craves to walk with God and to obey God. Then, then there's this, this third member of the board. It's, it's our soul. It's our mind. And, and how many of you know in sports, two, two on one, 
You, you want to be the two, you don't want to be the one, right? Because there's, there's an advantage. It's the law of numbers. You see, if, in, in, your, in, your, in, your, in your human experience, there's a board meeting going on. There's the body, the soul, and the spirit. And wherever the, the soul decides to partner, maybe I shouldn't be using that finger, maybe, I, I don't know, I'm, maybe I should do it, I, I, whatever, you, you understand. There's, there's three there. And whichever way the soul goes, that's, that's what I'm going to do. And Paul is trying to help us to understand this principle. It's like pulling the trigger and touching the nose. Amazing things start to happen. I experienced this just yesterday. And I wish it weren't this way, but it's true. That you know, uh, we as pastors and, 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 and ministers, we're anointed to preach and teach the Word. But I'm no more anointed to live it than you are. I wish I was more anointed than you to live the truth. But the reality is, we all have that same anointing. Are you listening this morning? Just because I'm anointed to preach it doesn't mean I'm any more anointed to live it. And, and God is always so faithful to test me personally in anything that I preach. I just want you to know that. It's one of the, it's one of the maybe the downsides of being a preacher. God is always going to test you. And yesterday was a tough day. Yesterday was a very difficult day. And I did not feel very spiritual at all yesterday. I just have to tell you. I felt very carnal. It was a comedy of errors, all the different things. I won't go into all the detail of yesterday and why it was. The way. It, just, it was one of those days where almost nothing went right. And I was at my boiling point. I wanted to start breaking things. I wanted to start saying words that, I, that preachers, much less Christians, should never say. I'm having a, is it okay if I'm transparent with you? I hope so. I mean, I, I wanted to, to do and say things that were not Christ-like. Didn't feel spiritual at all. And in the midst of that, I just, I just began to... I, I, you know, this was the verse I thought about. Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. I thought, Jesus, I need saving right now. I need your help right now. And I, just, I was driving my car and I said, Lord, I need you right now. I am, I am such a wreck left to myself. God, I, don't, I need you. Jesus, help me. Lord, the Bible says you're, you're, you're always with me and that you're giving me grace and strength to do what's right. And I just choose right now. I choose to bless you. I choose to believe that you're helping me. I choose to believe. And I, I just I started talking out loud. If you were driving next to me, you probably thought I was totally weird. I don't care. I started saying these things. And I'll tell you, something amazing happened. My attitude began to change. All that anger started to dissipate and I started to experience peace. I was unhappy, I started to get happy. I felt weak, I felt carnal, I felt sinful, and things began to change. Why? Because I did what the Bible teaches us in Romans 8. I pulled the trigger and touched the nose. Are you listening? The, the, there's a board meeting going on and whichever way you choose to go, it's going to decide the matter for you. That's what Paul is saying. And so, yes, we can have the Spirit. Sorry, that's really loud. But, but I still can experience a lack of, of success if I'm not combining principles. And that's the message of Romans chapter 8. It's the law of lift. Now, let's... Uh, it's the law of lift and it's the law of numbers. Let's go on because Paul says this. See, here, here's really the crux. Verse 9. He says, You are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. That's amazing language. If you have the Spirit of God where? Living 
in you. That's what Paul was trying to get across in all of his epistles. It's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. It is God at work in me both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So Paul says, if the Spirit of God is in you, remember, he says in verse 9, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. What's the mark of a true Christ follower? The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. That God Himself comes and takes up residence. Now, here's where the confusion is. We think when God comes... See, when we, when we realize the truth of the Gospel, that I'm, I'm a hopelessly lost sinner, and I have to trust Jesus Christ and believe in what He did for me that I couldn't do, I, I believe that by faith. We've been studying this in the book of Romans. And Paul says in, in Romans 1, verses 16 and 17, that this Gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, and it's from faith, and it's, uh, that it's by faith, and I receive this right standing with God by faith. Wow, amazing. And the Bible says that, that upon that faith, something happens. The Holy Spirit comes inside. He does, he, does a, he does a heart transplant. He transforms me from the inside out. Here's the mistake we make. We, we, we come to that place of faith, and we know that the Holy Spirit is in us, but we're, this is our experience. We're saying, something's wrong. It's, it's, you know, maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit's not in me. You've got, you've got a couple things that need to work together, right? You've got to cooperate with God. You've got to yield to Him. You know, here, here's, here's a good practical example. Ben, Patrick, talked about how he began to flounder when he started hanging around the wrong people. I can identify with that. As a high schooler, I was hanging around the wrong people, and I was moving in the wrong direction. And it wasn't until I realized that I am going to be like the people I hang around and I, I made a choice to hang around different people that were moving in a different direction, then things began to change for me. Are you listening? The Holy Spirit didn't just take over. I had to cooperate. I had to set my mind on things of the Spirit. Are you listening? It's a simple biblical principle. This is the answer. It's the law of lift, it's the law of numbers, and ultimately it's the law of leadership. And we'll get into that next week, really because we're, for the sake of time, we're out of time. Does that make sense? For the sake of time, we're out of time? But these are laws. These are laws that are operating. We need to be aware of it. How, how do we come to that place? See, I can attend church all my life. I can look like a Christian. I can smell like a Christian. I can talk like a Christian. But a true Christ follower has got something on the inside. And it's God Himself. And we can have that and still flounder. Still fail. Still walk as a slave to sin because we choose to walk in ignorance of God's Word and not apply biblical principles and yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Or... As Romans 8 reveals, we can begin to walk in a new realm of life and victory that's real. That's good news, isn't it? <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, I'm interested in that. And at the end of the day, I know you're interested in it. And so, let's, let's take God at His Word. I want to encourage you, don't just read the book of Romans. Don't just read here. Or there. Read it and reread it. 
and reread it and reread it and reread it. Meditate on it. Think about it. Mull over it. Consider it. I want, it it'll, it'll renew our minds and it'll transform our lives. Paul says that in Romans chapter 12. Paul says in Colossians 3.1, Chris quoted it last week, set our minds on things above. Paul said we should think on things that are lovely and true and just. Paul said that we should take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Believers, our mind is important. It's the boardroom. It's the, it's the deciding vote. I experienced this personally. I was talking to a friend of mine, Jay, and we're, we're, worship team is going to take us into a time of worship and reflection. I was, talk, whoop, I was talking to a friend of mine. I'm going to call him Jay. That's not his real name. And he was sharing how this principle is, he's, he's experiencing it in his life. He was raised in a godly Christian home. He went to one of the finest Christian schools. He had fantastic training and example and upbringing. And yet, very early on, he began to flounder and wallow in sin. He began to abuse substances and he became addicted to alcohol. And had this hidden in his life. Most people did not know this about Jay. But he was a slave to sin. And it wasn't until his late 20s, early 30s, that he began to, to connect some dots that we're talking about this morning. And realize, number one, that he had not fully surrendered himself to Christ. He'd been talking it, he'd been playing church, but he, hadn't, he, he, had, he, he came to a place where he realized he needed to get serious with God. And he began to get serious with God, and he began to call out to God in prayer, and he began to seek God through Scripture, and he began to realize that it is this partnership of Christ in me. And you know what's so beautiful and exciting? He's beginning to experience victory in his life. And I'm so encouraged because he, he said this to me the other day. He said, you know what? I went 19 days without alcohol. So I went 19 days. Now to some of us, that sounds like a total failure. But he said to me, John, you have to understand, I went more than 10 years. I'd never gone more than a couple of days. And he said this to me. He said, I'm realizing it's not trying to do things in the energy of the flesh and my own willpower. It's yielding to the power of the Holy Spirit in me and making good choices. He said, when I choose to hang around the guys that are my drinking buddies, I end up drinking. And I'm in the process of, of making some new friends because I know it's part of the solution. It's part of God's Word and His will. What is it? It's, it's setting His mind on things of the Spirit. Are you listening? And there's, there, He's beginning to experience results. He's beginning to experience freedom and power that He didn't have before. I want that for you. God wants that for you. And you know what? You want that for you. Let's pray. And then we're going to respond and worship together this morning. Father, I thank You for every precious person that's here. Father, all of us, to some degree or another, can relate to this. All of us have struggled. All of us have floundered. First of all, thank You for the truth of Your Word. God, we cannot get to You but through Jesus Christ. Thank You for the gift of righteousness. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it like that house we built for that precious family in Ecuador. It is a gift. We believe that with all of our hearts. God, I pray for, I pray for the person that, 
maybe has been religious, maybe has known about God, maybe has even attended church most or all of their life, but they've, they've never experienced this indwelling power of your spirit, being truly born again, connecting with God. I pray that today would be the day. Simple, childlike faith, believing and opening our hearts that you might come in and take up residence. I pray for the believer, the Christ follower, that has stumbled, that has floundered. God, today, let today be a a demarcation day, a day of uh, drawing the line in the sand, not willing to be different, but yielding to the power of the Spirit and the Word of God that's available to us to bring us to a place of victory, to lift us to newness of life in Jesus Christ. Lord, we believe You and we receive from You today in the beautiful name of Jesus. Let's lift our hearts in worship and sing together this morning.